Hi, everyone. Welcome to Domain Sherpa. Today, we've got a fantastic episode of Off the Market Forever with my co-host, James Isles, Chris Zyker, and Matthew Zyker, where we focus on the domain space through the lens of end-user acquisitions and upgrades. And on today's show, we bring on a special guest, Andrew Gazdecki of MicroAcquire, to talk about his journey and what led to their upgrade and acquisition of Acquire.com. And with that kind of domain, it simply does not get better than that. And Andrew provides some really great insight into what led to their decision to acquire the domain, how they obtained it and how much they paid for it. And remember, if you're listening to the audio version of this podcast, you can also watch the video version at DomainSherpa.com and on our YouTube channel at DS.TV. We now have all the past episodes there so you can dig into the largest library of domain-related podcast content in the world for free. You can also check us out on Apple and Spotify and other podcast platforms as well. And as usual, big shout out to Dan.com, the number one place in the world to buy and sell your domains with a special platform made for domain investors. With all that, it's time to get into this episode of Off the Market Forever here on Domain Sherpa, where all roads lead to domains. So let's go. What's up, Sherpa Network? Thank you for tuning in today. My name is Jonathan Tenenbaum, a.k.a. JT, a.k.a. Jayon, a.k.a. Sherpa Winfrey, a.k.a. Mr. So Fresh and So Clean. And I'm the host and producer of Domain Sherpa, where all roads lead to domains. Today's show is an off-the-market forever, which, as you know, features James Isles, Chris Zyker, and it also features... Matthew Zyker, which we're going to get into, where we focus on the domain space through the lens of end-user upgrades and acquisitions. This way, you get the perspective of some of the best domain brokers in the world, some of the best journalists in the space who have unique insight and knowledge into the industry and domains, and as it relates to end-users. Also, one thing we try to do is bring on special guests, and we've got a really great special guest today, Andrew Gadzecki of MicroAcquire. But more on that. I'm not going to do his full intro yet. Special guests get introduced last on this show. That's how we do it. So uh, so with that, let me go ahead really quick and do the quick intros. We'll go around the horn. I'm going to start right below me. We got my boy James Isles, a.k.a. James Names, a.k.a. James Isles of Man, a.k.a. House of James, a.k.a. I Will Walk 1000 Isles, domain name, industry writer, consultant, publisher of James Names, the domain-centric blog before James Names, lead writer for the Name Pros blog. And you guys have heard me do the intro, but you can also find him writing on DN Academy, Domain Name Wire, DND.com, as well as Mashable Business Insider Vice, uh, great all-around guy and uh, personal friend. Happy to have him on the show. What's happening, James? How are you? Yeah, well, good. You forgot to mention best hair in the domain industry, according to Leanne on Twitter last month. Yeah, <laughs> hey, If they say it on Twitter, then you know it's true. So yes, let's amplify oh, exactly, that. Yeah. Best hair in the space, especially because when you compare yourself to me, you know what I'm saying? So uh, <laughs> yeah. all good. Always a pleasure to have you on the show, my dude. Looking forward to this one. Um, all right. Keeping it moving down all the way at the bottom. We got we got a full house today. I got my boy Chris Zyker, a.k.a. Zyker's Island, a.k.a. World War Z a.k.a. The Brand Whisperer, head of sales and senior domain broker for Media Options, number one domain broker in the world. Y'all know what Chris's deal is. If you don't know by now, he just recently put out his book. If you haven't gotten a copy of it, Chris, how do they find it? How do they get it? Right now, it's uh, it's on two places, Amazon and uh, DomainNameBrokers.com. I'm sorry, DomainNameSecrets.com. 
um, go over there. You can, it'll take you to over a landing page on chrisegger.com. It's all over my social. Go to my Twitter. You can see like, I don't know, I've done like 600 tweets in two days. So like, <laughs> <laughs> just pick one, just pick one and click a link. Just learning, also- how to, learning how to use Twitter. And I think I hit the wrong button, you know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> post all now. Are you sure? Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, oh, there's a lot of tweets on there, baby. Uh, hey, let's you go, can't man. Miss if you're following me. Hey, let's go. Um, but yeah, so, uh, and I'll have the links on, you can go to the blog post on domain com, and you can get all the links and everything. But yeah, if you, if you haven't found Chris by now, definitely, uh, you know, get after it. He's not hard to find just like the rest of us. Um, all right, man. Well, welcome to the show as always happy to have you here and, uh, all right, keeping it moving around the horn. We have for the first time ever on this show. So we actually have two special guests, I guess you could say, we've got the one and only Matthew Zyker, AKA the kid, AKA Zyke one, AKA Matt Locke. <laughs> So uh, for those of you who don't know, Matthew started his domain journey working with Chris, uh, you know, with his blog podcast, has come on board with Media Options as a junior broker, uh, has been in the domain space for a few years now and has been well under the hood talking to some very, very like important, you know, tastemakers on both the sell side, the buy side, uh, big brands, big execs, big domain sellers, big portfolio owners, and, uh, you know, really like uh, baptism by fire here. And uh, he was on the panel with us at NamesCon uh, talking about domains and media options and buying and selling domains and all that good stuff. And uh, so we we said, you got to come on the show, man. It's time. Let's go. So uh, so welcome to the show, man. Good to have you here. Thanks. Yeah, I'm excited to be on here the first time. Excited to see how this goes. It's always different being on it versus watching it. So, uh, you know, this is going to be a fun ride. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> now, Last, but certainly, and I don't mean to take away the thunder for you, this being your first show, but we have a special, special guest. <laughs> so, and uh, we've got the one and only Andrew Gazdecki of Micro Acquire, a.k.a. the Gazmanian Devil, a.k.a. Micro Machine, a.k.a. Gazdecki Matsui, a.k.a. Acquire Boy. Think about it. I love him. I love him. I love him all. Yeah, man. So he's an for those of you who don't know, he's an entrepreneur, mentor, and founder of Micro Acquire, the world's number one startup acquisition marketplace, which can now be found at acquire.com, which is really one of the things that we're super excited about talking about today. Um, and really, if you want to learn more about his business and what Micro Acquire does, we're going to talk a little bit about that today, but we're going to focus a lot on the domain. But uh, Andrew recently did a podcast with Andrew Alleman, another Andrew in the space, along with Andrew Rosner, Andrew Miller. There's a lot, a lot of Andrews, man. You know, you guys are going to, we're going to have to stack rank the Andrews at some point. But um, he did an, uh, a really cool podcast with Andrew Alleman at Domain Name Wire. So definitely check that out because you can, you're going to get a lot more insight even into the business that we might not even cover today. But he's been featured in New York Times, Forbes, Wall Street Journal, Inc.com, Entrepreneur Magazine. Mashable, TechCrunch, VentureBeat, uh, previously the founder of Business Apps and Altcoin.io, both since acquired. In fact, and I love this story, so I want to just tell it really quick. In 2017, he sold his company to a private equity firm, long, complex, expensive process, took him away from what he loved most, which was running his business. And, uh, you know, and su- successful entrepreneurship is also recognizing your limits and selling while the getting is good or while the selling is good, right? Um, you know, all, a lot of times an entrepreneur will sell once they've reached the end of their journey or taken as far as they could. He'd done that in that case. If he waited, may never have found the buyer at all, leaving him stuck at that entrepreneurial dead end. Uh, but being fortunate enough to run a multi-million dollar business with cloud to attract the right conversations, uh, it was an easier process for him than for some. But uh, recognizing that there's really a gap in the marketplace for startups to be able to sell and for folks to actually acquire startups as well. Uh, and as a two-time founder seller himself, recognizing this gap in the market, decided to help other founders with that journey. And the result was micro-acquire. 
Founded in 2020, they've already assisted over $500 million in startup acquisitions. That's over half a billion, y'all, if you're paying attention, if the numbers, if you like numbers. And uh, <laughs> recently acquired Acquire.com, and, uh, which is right up our alley. I mean, this is what we love to talk about here. And as we say on this show, all roads lead to domains. So, uh, Andrew, welcome to the show, man. What's up, man? That was the most epic introduction I've ever heard. I, <laughs> yeah. I hope someone gives you a medal for that. That was fantastic. Thank <laughs> yeah, you no me. doubt. Man. Yeah, you know, hey, look, it's the one thing I can bring. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm just going to bring that energy and I'm going to give people that lead in that they, you know, you know, it's all good. I'm also available for weddings, bar mitzvahs. You know what I'm saying? You need me to, <laughs> uh, you know, you're showing up at Thanksgiving dinner. I'll be like, and now bringing the Brussels sprouts. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, man. So, you know, like I said, we, you know, definitely want to get into the domain piece of all this, um, since, you know, that's really, you know, our thing and, uh, you know, which we you know love by the way. Um, but, uh, you know, and as I said, I listened to the podcast that you did with Alamo, which I thought was great. Uh, but just to kind of give just a couple minutes of that, and then we can talk more on the more domain stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, so, uh, you know, when you started up the, so how quickly did you guys go from kind of kicking it off to getting your first deal to, you know, really starting to build that momentum that led to a lot of the, the, the numbers that you guys have already hit? Crazy enough, I didn't think it was going to work. I thought it was like, who's going to sell a startup on a marketplace to other startup founders? Um, you know, we, I always joke because it's a startup that helps startups find startup buyers. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'd say probably the first deal was done after three months. And when I first launched it, I was doing all customer support, product, marketing, everything, not sleeping very much, <laughs> uh, just because the business was so fun to run. But, uh, it, you know, with the marketplace, the flywheel, it takes a little bit to get going. But once it starts, it just it cannot be stopped. So now it's kind of going. But to get that flame going, it was just a lot of everything and everything more. <laughs> yeah, I, no uh, doubt. I even remember the first, the first, the first deal going through. I remember it and having that kind of moment of like, I could just got an email and I was on vacation. I was like, oh shit, like this actually has some legs. Cool. <laughs> and that's, it's just, it's just evolved from there. And we launched in um, January uh, 2020. Okay. Which is unbelievable, really. I mean, you've you've come so far in such a short amount of time. Um, in terms of customer acquisition, is it is it kind of uh, you know is it is it referrals now? Because I see all the time on LinkedIn. You know, I, I see the the posts from you all the time on LinkedIn. So so, what does the customer acquisition look like now? Yeah, I'd say you know the playbooks that a lot of companies use in terms of how to build companies has has just changed. Like as a good a good example, personally, when I launched business apps, we I've always been a big believer in brand and storytelling um, and earned media, not paid media. And so we had a big emphasis on you know getting featured in the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times or you know TechCrunch or VentureBeat. I even wrote for TechCrunch and VentureBeat, NextWeb, and um, Forbes and stuff like that. And now what i see is you know i think one of the most powerful you know go to markets is is social because that's where everybody is it's kind of like a conference every single day where you can expose your brands so um most of our focus is we we like to say internally we think like a media company 
So we also have a sister blog that, um, or a sister publication, I should say, uh, where we feature bootstrap startup founders that are getting pressed for the first time. Uh, we have a ton of content on MicroQuire for everything you could possibly want to know about acquisitions, um, which is great for customer acquisition. I think just great for the startup ecosystem just because, um, you know, fun fact, when I sold business apps, I got like maybe tw- 10 or 20 friends reaching out with with startups being like, how do you how do you find the buyer? What's due diligence? What's the legal process? And that was kind of like my light bulb moment of like, oh, shit. So there's books on marketing. There's books on sales. There's a million books on how to raise capital. But there's nothing on the most important part of the founder's journey, which is the exit, arguably. Mm-hmm. And so I was I was like, someone's got to, you know, help here. And so that was my intention behind um, MicroQuire when I launched it. But I'll, I'll never forget my... The first paying customer as well was um, Ryan Holmes from uh, Hootsuite, which I thought was pretty cool because I'm also kind of a startup nerd. So I thought <laughs> I, I saw that come in. I was like, I'm a fan of Hootsuite. I used to use the product. Um, so Brilliant. shout out to him. And um, yeah, definitely uh, remember that first year like it was yesterday. Yeah, that's awesome. And, oh, Sorry, Chris. I was, I was just going to say, when you said when you said that he was a, a, a paid customer so he in terms of making money on micro acquire it's uh it's it's the buyers that are paying to use the service so for a seller it's free is that right yeah that's correct so to list on micro acquire it's entirely free there's no commissions there's no fees we do have some paid services like we have a service called managed by micro acquire where we'll broker your deal depending on the size of the business if it's going to be a truly life-changing multi-million dollar acquisition, we'll do it for, you know, three to 5% or something like that. Hmm. Um, and then on the buy side to access deals on MicroQuire, because they're all private. So an analogy, if you're not familiar with MicroQuire, um, we put trust, security, and privacy at the core of everything that we do. And so when you list your business on MicroQuire, is no one's going to uh, be able to, you know, employees aren't going to find out, customers aren't going to find out, investors aren't going to find out. And so as a buyer, if you want to find out more information about the business, it's kind of like a blind um, blind, blind profile, if, if you will. Uh, you have to pay to request access. And when you pay to request access, that goes to the founder, and then the founder can pick and choose whether or not to give you access by researching your LinkedIn. They can conversate with you they can have you sign an nda we have all that built into microquare but um yeah so we just charge buyers for access to uh, the deals on the platform hmm. that's cool yeah and i think that you know it makes sense too so then you've got some sort of like with sellers have a little bit of skin in the game and then also i'm sorry with the buyers having a little bit of skin in the game right and then so you're eliminating some of the tire kicking and then it establishes also some legitimacy for the sellers to know that the buyers that they're talking to, they understand like what they're about, who they are. And, uh, you know, I think that creates a little bit of like some positive gatekeeping, if you will, which is seems like it would be important in that process. So. Yeah. Well, that's I mean, actually the, uh, just a footnote on that. Um, that's actually how we came up with, the the model of charging the buyer, not the seller mm-hmm. is we had a few complaints or it was just me at the time, but, a few sellers complaining they would get like a hundred requests from people. And so your mm-hmm. job is to filter through like a hundred people. 
And I, I remember I would help people. I would like put them all on an Excel spreadsheet and be like, this person's legit. This one, I have no idea who this person is. And then I just said like, hey, let's just start up a paywall. Like if you don't have like, you know, five, six, 700 bucks, you're probably not serious about like some acquisitions. Um, and so that's been a big filtering tool. And our goal is, you know, quality conversations, not quantity. You don't want, you don't want like a hundred messages when you're selling your businesses because you're just going to drown in them. You want the most focused ones. So that was actually, you know, the, the reason behind it. Um, well, you know, that Andrew, that's interesting because that's exactly, I mean, that's domaining to the, to the T, right? It's like, I mean, you know, um, same thing, right? We get a ton of, uh, a ton of, um, leads coming in, right? Most of them are just fake bots. I mean, I don't know. It amazes me that people even set these things up, uh, to the emails they use. It's like, you know, 20 characters long, you know, sprinkled in with numbers. And you're like, there's no way you could even remember that. But, uh, um, you know, going back, it's interesting because I, I always think about like the framing, right? Um, so I mean, we, we've done a lot of business work, you know, negotiating all, every, every day. And that's a great frame for the buyer to have. Right. So, I mean, the buyer knows who the seller is in this platform. I, I, by the way, I signed up um, yesterday. So um, nice. Thank you. Not, not paying yet, but I was like, ah, oh, man, I'd like to, I'd like to buy that one. Uh, although I gotta stay focused <laughs> on domains. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, uh, so, I mean, that's it. I mean, you truly like you've turned the tables to where, you know, they have more information than it seems like the buyer, sorry, the seller is really the, um, the seller has more information on the buyer. I think I had that wrong. Um, which is powerful, you know, it's powerful to kind of do that research helps it to, to, uh, frame it a little better. My, my, my question, I mean, we can go down this route, but my question is more, so I always like to come back to branding, right? This, this is obviously about domain names and, um, how did you like walk me through the, your branding for microquire? Like, did you, did you start with microquire? Did you start with other brands? Why did you go with microquire? Um, and, uh. Why micro, not macro? Well, <laughs> just I mean, why not anything, right? So, I mean, what, what what was like? Walk me through your branding story with Microquire. How did that then lead to, um, you know, just the kind of conversations, this moment where then you made this acquisition for Acquire. dot com? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, when you first enter a market, if you try to serve everyone, you end up serving no one. And so I wanted the positioning to be very, very niche and very, very specific. Um, and there's a lot of people building really great micro SaaS, micro e-commerce businesses. And when I say micro, um, I think of that as like, you know, sub million. But to some people, that's, you know, 5,000, um, 50,000, 50 million, depending on if you're like a billionaire or something like that. Um, and so... That was the original concept was, you know, I wanted to build something for specifically bootstrap startups uh, because those startups generally are easier to sell. You can sell a business if you're bootstrapping for three million and you're a millionaire. Congrats. If you had raised venture capital, you get a job somewhere. Also, huge congrats. (laughs) Uh, And so I just thought that was a really underserved market that hadn't seen any innovation um and really was just ripe for disruption and so uh started with micro and then just as we've grown we've facilitated you know deals over eight figures so past 10 million um and it just felt right to drop the micro and we did a ton of research on this and so common questions that we get from customers is is my business like too small for yours and 
you know, as the brand evolves, you know, we want to be the marketplace where as a startup, you can sell for 10K or 100 million. And that's kind of our goal. And so, you know, with micro in the name, that also can be, you know, viewed as tiny, small, little, what have you. There's a ton of synonyms for micro. micro. Um, so we thought by dropping micro, uh, we'd have basically better positioning to where we want to go. Um, and I always tell my team, like, you know, what got us here isn't going to get us where we want to go. And so we want to serve, you know, both micro and both macro. And uh, we do uh, we do own uh, macroacquired.com. <laughs> nice. that, that, that started to become like a running joke. Once we started showing, like people were able to sell businesses for, you know, millions of dollars on the platform, which, you know, candidly surprises me to this day. Sure. So we felt, uh, and then also another thing, I had been trying to get acquired.com for, uh, about a year and a half, one of my investors, when I when I told them that we acquired acquired.com, it's a mouthful. Um, he sent me a screenshot of uh, just a conversation we had on Twitter from like July 2021, where I mentioned, you know, I was I've been looking at this domain, but it's taken, and we don't have the capital, but we'll see. And so, yeah. Long story short, just I think we've we've grown to a point where. You know, we really want to establish ourselves as kind of like the default marketplace. And then also I'll add, you know, we've had a lot of competitors pop up. Um, so shout out to Tiny Acquire, Early Acquire, Easy Acquire, Soft Acquire. <laughs> <laughs> <Yo>. Seriously. Uh, <laughs> like, like, like Nano yeah. Acquire. Uh, like, I can't even make this up. Like, Yeah, that's crazy. Um, well, you it, know, I mean, sorry, you know, not to cut you off. I, I just want to make the point that I think that you can almost look at that as flattering right and it's like so that they want to you know everyone wants to emulate the success in what you guys have done and then try to piggyback off your own brand which is super frustrating so then really at that point you almost have no choice but you know then it's like you've got to get sort of the the big the big brand the the real the umbrella that's going to cover it all right i mean is that yeah i mean i i like to root for just all of our you know, competitors, we're all trying to help entrepreneurs succeed. So I don't take any offense to it. And that's also just going to happen if you build a startup. Like if you build a startup and you don't get copied, like you should be more concerned if you are. Yeah. Copied. <laughs> like I, I always say, if you're not being copied, try harder. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. It's just, you know, and then that's where you start to look at things that cannot be copied, like your brand, your customer experience um your distribution strategy um you know i'd really focus on you know brand that's kind of in my mind the differentiator for a lot of companies um because you can have two companies with the exact same product but you know who's talking about what company more um what is their story these are things that are you just can't copy them um well i guess you could but it just doesn't come off as authentic and then um yeah, with brand, it's uh, David Cancel from from Drift uh, gave me some advice one time. He said we kind of went through these like three waves of SaaS building, if you will. Um, the first wave was basically like in 2010. The first one to build it kind of won the market, mm-hmm. and then the second wave, let's call it in like uh, 2014, 2015, was the first company to figure out the best go to market model. So LTV to CAC, like how many sales reps, SDRs, whatever. Um, and then now we've entered kind of this third wave, which is 
uh, brand. It's like the last defensible mode of a business. And I started Mike Require just, you know, a lot of brand marketing, storytelling, going on podcasts like this, because I believe that's how businesses stand out today. And um, just to give you another analogy too, I think when startups think of their competitors, they think of maybe those names that I just mentioned, but what you're really competing for is customer attention. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a hundred million billion startups out there. And so um, I think, I think the more you can focus on brand and figure out a way to position your business in a way that draws an emotional response from people or just you market in a way that's humorous or just gets reaction, um, you know, the more you're going to stand out. Mm-hmm. So I guess leading, leading off of that, was there a, a pivotal moment for you when you're like, I've got to buy this, like it's going to happen. You want to hear this? I was just going to ask that. I was just going to ask that. Dang it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, first, I want to clarify, apologize for, I don't know if any of you saw the tweet where I said we bought it for for $2 million. I want to to apologize for that. (laughs) Um, It it was an off the cuff tweet. I had no idea it would go that viral. Um, Someone had just written on Twitter, like, what did Agazdecki pay for acquire.com? And someone said, like, definitely over a million and then someone said like i think between five and ten million i was like oh we bought it for two million (laughs) um so to clarify we paid um a little over two hundred thousand for the domain but i had been trying to get it for about a year and a half like i had mentioned earlier and the price um, wait wait real quick before we get into the acquisition process let's talk a little bit about the 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 drama and all that because i think the key thing and it's important and i think it's important for the audience too to understand like you know because of the way the domain space works you know sales you know transparency is 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 limited right and because of that and i think you're also in a situation where you know as things have slowed down from a sort of macro economic standpoint you know, there's not as much to report. So, you know, and we've got James here who literally writes the blog articles about, you know, the domain sales like him, a couple other guys, Jamie Zock, a few other, Elliot Silver, some of the folks who wrote about your comment, right? Um, yeah. you know, they end up scouring like, you know, uh, George Kirikos, they, you know, they literally scour like companies, SEC filings and, you know, anywhere that they can to try to glean like when you have a domain that has been acquired, when you can get a price, you know, because it's not completely transparent and different folks have different, you know, opinions on, you know, whether transparency is a good thing, a bad thing, you know, especially when you're talking about super premium domain. So, you know, it's a bit of a, just a, like a, you know, because of that, it creates sort of a, a extra sensitivity around, you know, when there are numbers thrown out there. So I think people are oversensitive and I, and I feel like it's unfortunate that, you know, it was kind of like people were giving you a hard time for just tweeting, like, as if, you know, like, because when we're tweeting, we're just talking, right? It's like you said, like it's like being at a conference in a way, having a conversation. It's just the words you say end up getting amplified to who knows what size of audience based on what you say and everything else. So it ends up becoming like a thing. But I think part of it is also just indicative of how the space is because the space is mm-hmm. so like thirsty for information around domain transactions that it's like any bit of information. And, uh, you know, and hearing you say it the way you said it, I think that it, there was people believe that, you know, there's validity there, right? Like, you know, there's sort of trust and respect already built into you and the persona that you've established, you know, online and out there in the world. So people just kind of latched onto it, ran with it because it was also sounded newsworthy. You know, it's like, oh, this is a big domain sale. Like, that's exciting. 
There's not a lot of yeah, other any, news. Any seven-figure domain sales kind of domain bloggers latch onto pretty quickly. Um, I do it sometimes, but I, I tend to try and get some more verification on it if I can. Um, you know, by maybe maybe if I'd have, have seen the tweet, I might have DM'd Andrew privately or something like that just to say, hey, can you just confirm this for me? Um, but, you know, I, I, don't, I don't blame people for running with it um, oh, yeah, yeah. because seven or eight times out of 10, that is factually correct. But then, um, you know, that, that $2 million number then stays out there. So $2 million is always going to be associated with acquired, acquired.com. <laughs> there now. you go. So that's, that, <laughs> well, which is, it's not a bad thing, but, um, you know, just for transparency's sake, it's, um, it can be quite difficult sometimes when you're trying to report on these things and, you know, you've got various bloggers trying to beat you to, to the punch. Um, well, that's true too, you just yeah. go with it. Yeah. Trying to break. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if someone DM me, I, I, and, I clarified that this was a joke um, hours after I, I tweeted it. Yeah. Um, and I think if you just go through my Twitter feed, it should have been kind of obvious, like maybe reach out to me, maybe talk to me, yeah. Um, maybe confirm the sale, maybe ask for an official sales price because I'd give it to you. Because um, <laughs> yeah. when we were, uh, you know, getting feedback on our new logo design, I don't know if you guys have seen that SNL skit of like Papyrus and the Avatar thing. Mm. I, was, yeah. <laughs> I, I threw up, I, I threw up a logo in Papyrus and I was like, hey, new acquire.com logo. What does everybody yeah. think? <laughs> and it's in Papyrus. Like, and then I did, I was like, all right, I hear everybody's feedback. And I gave it like a rainbow gradient with like a big <laughs> shadow background. So I'm not a very serious person. So I think just, yeah. Uh, but I, I understand. But when, yeah, when when you when you view it in the entirety of a Twitter feed, then it's it's completely obvious. But you know, some some people will just see that and then run with it. There's a whole debate about whether that's that's a good thing to do or not. But um, you know, some people do that. Um, I just want to make it clear I didn't write about it. It reminded me of like, I don't know if you saw like that guy standing outside of Twitter when he got fired, Raul Ligma. Oh, Raul you know, Ligma. I, yeah, I, th yeah. I think when like, um, you know, some journalists want something to, to be true so bad, they'll just write about it without really, you know, yeah, yeah. just doing journalism 101 and just, you know, fact checking. Just a simple DM would have probably saved a lot of people some headaches and then i thought it was really interesting um how people were mad at me overriding an article that they didn't clarify um because <laughs> yeah. that's just that's just kind of like gaslighting it's like you look dumb because you didn't clarify something as true and you're blaming me yeah, it's like no dude like I you know. made yourself look dumb don't insult me over it it's not my fault like i yeah. said i was sorry i clarified that it was a joke um so i thought i thought that was also just kind of funny like you know hey you and, and i think that's yourself man like yeah and i think that's some of what you get too in the domain space where it's like you know it's a small very niche kind of space we've all known each other for a long long time the people that are in the space kind of know who's who what's what and you know and stuff gets kind of put out there sort of like news when it's not exactly news but there's not necessarily a lot to report on right so that kind of goes back to this whole thing of like you know, it's just a slow news day. So it's like, oh, hey, you know, uh, you know, Rick Schwartz, who is the, this guy, this domain king who's been around forever. But somebody like will literally write an article about something. He tweeted something and then, then it becomes a blog post. And it's like, 
just, you know, again, it's just one of those things, but, um, no, hey, man, like, I thought it was funny. I mean, things, you know, that kind of shit happens. It's like, and, and I mean, I, and it was also a learning experience for me. Like, I had no idea that was going to happen. So obviously, if I could go back, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have done that. I just, <laughs> yeah. you know, jokingly, I didn't put out a press release. I didn't, you know, throw up a, you know, edited, you know, receipt or anything like that. It was just literally a tweet, just like, hey, I sold over two million. That was it. And then I just went and got lunch and came back and was like, whoa, this is really taking off. Welcome to Domain and so, you know, I trolled the I, domain I, community. But by no intent, that was not my intent at all. It was just kind of like, you know, the first, I didn't even know who I was responding to. I was just responding to just, you know, a person that had asked. And then, um, but anyways, uh, I just wanted to clarify, apologize. And I, I do recognize, you know, if if you're going to announce something like that, uh, if I ever do buy another big domain, and I'll be sure not to do that. So you have my word on that. <laughs> so sorry no, to anybody good. that, you know, I offended by that. Media Options is the industry's leading domain broker specializing in domain acquisitions, high value domain sales and domain name consultation. As pioneers and thought leaders on the subject of the domain aftermarket and domain name value, plus through their clear domain acquisition service, Media Options offers startups and established corporations an unparalleled scope of high-value domain options, providing access to domain names and curation technologies not available elsewhere. Media Options believes in the power of a great domain name and is dedicated to helping you obtain yours. Call or email today to put a domain to work for you. So, yeah. So, well, let's talk about the process then. Let's talk about how you actually did acquire it. So, you said just over 200K. Uh, you'd been eyeing it for a minute. So, what was the... Uh, so, how did you finally end up with it? Yeah. So, I was actually in Hawaii on vacation. Totally trying to unplug and everything. And then, guess what? Just um, the owner of the domain uh kind of pops out of nowhere and i was working through um godaddy's brokerage service mm -hmm. and i'd originally reached out to the owner directly and so they had noticed i was you know the founder of microquire and so they were saying they were looking for 500k they had, had offers higher than that in the past what have you and so um i tried again earlier this year with uh, GoDaddy's domain broker service and the rep emailed me while I was on vacation and said hey we just got an email saying that this individual is interested in selling the domain and the last price that we kind of close around was like 375 and I walked from that and then I just said hey listen like we're probably going to go into like a global recession uh 200k is the best I can do and we can wire same day and that's kind of how it happened yeah it happened like real just bang 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 yeah no there's so, and there's a lot so, of interesting pieces that are right, go ahead. well no I was just, I was my, my question was more like when so I mean you always launched with Require. I'm always interested in right, like, you're gonna like, get it wait Chris before you, yeah yeah before you're gonna get into the brand piece and, and okay. let, let's do that in <laughs> 10 seconds. I just want to make a couple quick points that I think it's interesting that, so this is where I, I get to kind of hype up what we do a little bit, right? Um, and then, you know, when we talk about whatever broker you're going to end up using, whether it's GoDaddy, you know, Media Options, you know, this is, the, I'm not, you know, it sounds like I'm going to be on like my sales pitch thing, but as the number one broker in the space, I mean, you mentioned how MicroAcquire has partnered up with escrow.com. I mean, escrow is the number one escrow service for domain. So we've got a, we are their number one domain client. 
Um, and um, But I think the point you made about utilizing somebody to help run a little bit of interference, I mean, same kind of thing when you talk about like the sale of the businesses uh, and the startups, like, you know, the confidentiality is, is critical, you know, being discreet. Um, because there is a there is a, a a negotiation process and a strategy that really makes sense when you're you know trying to guard the you know the the you know the identity of a buyer or a seller because you know people are going to they're going to frame the price of the domain or whatever it might be based on what they think the size of the pockets of their buyer might be right so um, you know and then obviously on the sell side you know you deal with some of that same kind of stuff and. Uh, so I think that's an interesting point. I mean, we always are, you know, pounding that drum where it's like no matter who you use, utilizing a broker, you know, is helpful uh, in a lot of ways because, you know, again, you know, there's a discretion piece that can really help when you're trying to acquire. There's also access, um, you know. So I, I, I just had to, I had to kind of sort of bang the drum around that because that yeah. really resonates, you know. Yeah, and I would, I would agree with that. I mean, if you're like Mark Cuban or something, and you reach out to someone owning a domain, they're going to be like. Yeah this is 5 million now. Uh, now. So, uh, and then obviously just seeing kind of like the use case we would have for it, Mm -hmm. you know, we were priced higher. And so when we, um, when I reached out directly, the quoted price was over 500,000. When I had a broker reach out, the quoted price was, we, we almost landed on like three, they basically were were hard and firm at um uh three three hundred seventy five thousand and then so that cut it down a little bit and then the domain broker i think probably reached out and relayed my message um or actually he did and just said you know my client just said like he has fears of like a global recession coming up mm-hmm. um you know he's gonna use this for you know some new venture i don't have too many details on it um do you want to take this he said basically he's ready to go um but he's going to go with um you know a different domain if you're not interested or something like that and so i think creating that urgency and then just not knowing it was me uh save me a few hundred thousand so even though you're working with a broker Mm -hmm. um you know i actually saved quite a bit of money so yeah no i think i totally agree with you yeah, no, that's great. Media options are going to clip that one up, aren't they? <laughs> What's that? Media options will clip that one up. That, oh, that yeah, one. that'll be, well, absolutely. That's going to be a soundbite we're going to push all over the yeah, place. Uh, yeah, um, put, put me on an ad. Put me on an ad. You know, so, um, but yeah, no, I think that's awesome. And uh, and you guys paid all at once, like, so you didn't need the payment plan or anything like that. And, you know, which I think is probably helpful to get a deal over the hump. But, you know, with those big names, I mean, we, we, we had, um, we had, Charlie Bullock from scan.com on the show a couple of weeks ago talking about how, and they had a very similar situation where their old domain was, uh, so they were doing like MRI scans and things like that. And it's, a, they have a, a new platform for, um, basically scheduling and, and being able to make, uh, you know, the appointments and everything else for, for MRIs. But originally they were like, it was some local MRI scan.com national MRI scan.com. Yeah. So it was like, and then they went from there to scan.com similar to micro you know, you realize as the scope of your business expands. And like you said, what got you to the point level of success that you're at now is not necessarily what's going to get you to the next level of success. And, you know, when you look at these brands that are intended to be global and Chris and Matthew will talk a ton about, you know, global positioning and how, you know, really owning that one word premium.com is like kind of the key thing when you're talking about establishing, because you might have multiple people that have the word acquire as what they're trying to, you know, base their business on. 
But if without acquire.com, I mean, every email that's getting sent accidentally to acquire.com because they're, you know, confusing their own customers by not owning the big umbrella that covers their entire brand and owning their brand creates all sorts of different risk and, and other stuff. So Chris, with that, let me segue to you because now we can talk more about that aspect. I just wanted to kind of hone in a little bit on the actual acquisition process, but on you, man. Yeah, no, I was just curious what, what, um, <clears throat> Um, was there a pivotal moment when you're like, okay, I want to take this down. Like I want to like, was it talking to your investors? Was it talking to your, uh, was it when you hit a certain growth target? Like what, what was that catalyst for you that said, okay, now's the time to go from micro acquire to acquire. Yeah. It's always been in kind of my, you know, vision plan, or I guess wish list, if you will, because mm-hmm. getting this domain wasn't, you know, guaranteed. But I mean, when you really think about it, startup founders don't want a micro acquisition. I don't, I want mm-hmm. to maximize my acquisition. And I think just having the micro, it re- resonates with a lot of people in terms of, you know, who it's for, which is smaller businesses. But again, as we evolve, you know, we want to you know, really position ourselves as the marketplace where you sell your business for the maximum price, not a micro price. Mm-hmm. And so after countless customer interviews and just talking with my team, I did a full vote with my team. We did a vote on Twitter. Uh, like, should we drop the micro? Uh, my team voted 90% yes. Because mm-hmm. every other call is like, have you, what's the biggest deal size you've done? Because uh, we, we're working with a lot of, you know, pretty, pretty large startups now. When I say large, you know, I like, let's call it 20 million and under in enterprise value. And it just made sense to to drop that so we can be more inclusive in terms of the startups that we want to acquire. And our goal is to build, you know, again, the, the default marketplace to buy and sell these um, online businesses. And so... Um, having that word micro, it's kind of like you can replace micro with blog acquire or easy acquire or whatever, like, you know, no, like all um, the ones you said before, all the ones that your ankle biting competition is now have created as an effort to try to steal some of your market share, you know? So. Yeah. And so it just, it allows us to, you know, really, you know, kind of position ourselves as, um, you know, a company that can facilitate multi-million dollar acquisitions and not micro and, you know, we even joke about macro. It's like, which one is it? It's 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 both. It's micro acquisitions and and macro acquisitions. So, um, you know, the pivotal moment. Uh, you know, like before we actually like you know one hundred percent like agreed to terms to get the domain. Um, you know, I just I I ran a poll with my team and I just said, and it was an anonymous poll. It just said, should we get it? Yes, no comments. And the comments were overwhelmingly like, yes, I hear on so many like calls like, oh, I thought we were too big for you guys. I thought, and surprisingly, some people thought we were, so would say we're too small for you guys, even though it says micro in the name. Um, <laughs> They're like, so, we, instead, we went with micro, micro, mini micro. <laughs> maybe they were confusing <laughs> us with Microsoft. I don't know. Um, but uh it, it just made sense to, you know, drop it. And then I think it, it also allows us to, you know, reposition our story as, you know, for entrepreneurs, it's like, you know, let's really maximize your acquisition. Let's not have a, ma- a micro acquisition. Let's have 
you know, an acquisition that, you know, is life-changing. And that's really our goal at Acquire is, you know, we want to help entrepreneurs achieve life-changing acquisitions. And that definition is different for so many different people. You know, 50K for someone in Pakistan is entirely life-changing. We've seen that um, in the United States. It could be a different number. It just depends on where you are in life. And we, we want to facilitate all of those um, acquisitions and not just micro acquisitions, mm-hmm. um, if you will. Oh, awesome. Um, and uh, I guess I think we only have like 10 minutes here, but what, when you look at your, in, um, the, the startups that have sold, what do you, what are your, like, how would you rank like the biggest lessons? Um, obviously there's revenue and profit. So I mean, exactly on your, on your, on your uh, platform. Yeah, I would say the main things to succeed when selling a business is number one, understand how the acquisition process works. So just read up on, and we have like a course, we have, you know, we're available for calls to help, um, but just simple things like the legal steps, um, due diligence. We have tools that help with legal doc creation, due diligence, just understanding how that works. Um, and aside from that, just being honest is a huge thing like surprise like don't lie about certain numbers because yeah. uh, they will be <laughs> caught um and it it just never ends well if you do that um and then also just be realistic on valuation i think that's probably the one that entrepreneurs shoot this, themselves in the foot the most is they overprice their business and just understanding and we have reports that we put out because um, we try to be as transparent as possible um, with what we're seeing in the market to help entrepreneurs and both buyers. So pricing your startup correctly, and then just having just relevant information that every buyer is going to ask. Like if I had to give three things, it's just one, be honest. And that includes, you know, presenting your business with, you know, warts and all, like I haven't raised pricing. I haven't done a good job at sales and marketing. So buyers going to hear that and think, Oh, growth opportunities. There's sure. Yeah, there's room to run with this business. Yep. And then uh, two, being reasonable on valuation, because it just, if the gap is too big to close, you got to understand that buyers are looking at multiple, if not hundreds of businesses per month, if not thousands, if they're a, you know, institutional private equity firm buyer. Um, and then three, just tr- if you can, we have a P&L builder, but if you can have clean financial statements for people to review and, it just shows that you're organized and you are serious about an acquisition that that really separates two different businesses. If, if you're talking to one that's, you know, kind of like uh, slow to respond, uh, crazy on valuation, no P&L versus quick to respond, honest, upfront, ready, happy to hop on a phone call, has a clean P&L. Uh, those conversations are going to be completely different. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because you mentioned the expectations piece, and I think there's a lot of parallels on the domains side as well. That just sounds like so much of what we talk about even in our own internal meetings when we're talking about working with buyers and sellers on domain names because, you know, it's that that understanding, you know, having a reasonable expectation and also understanding, too, as the market shifts that that's going to change, you know, and your opportunities are only there for so long. So it's like, obviously, it's a bit different when you're operating a business that you could maybe make some changes to that you know, will increase or decrease the potential value. But, you know, when you have something that has a certain price tag on it 
and you know the economy were like you kind of use that that narrative when you acquire acquire which was accurate which is hey we're coming up on a recession you know it's like you got an opportunity to sell something for a lot of money that could really matter but then if you're going to sit and wait because you think no no we're going to do better we're going to do better we're going to do better and uh you know then and those opportunities are gone and now we're dealing with like we see it now based on the shift that has happened from a macroeconomic level you know we've got clients that are trying to sell domains that are like hey is that offer you know 3 months ago 2 months ago 3 weeks ago that was uh you know was is that still it's like you know that that horse has long left the barn. So, do you see that impact though? When you, you know you talk about like just the economy changing and softening, raising rates, and impacting some of the risk, more risky assets, and you know, do you see valuations coming down? Do you see sellers more actively willing to lower their prices? Do you see the buyers taking some of their interest off the table, if you will? Yeah, good question. Um, there's a good quote that I think you might like by uh, I think I think it's Fat Joe. He said something like, uh, "Today's price is not yesterday's price." Um, <laughs> no doubt. Yeah, and so you know, prices are always changing. You know, so when you get an offer, you know, it may be the only offer you get for a while. So yeah. um, I always tell founders, you know, if you get a serious offer, consider it, um, unless it's just completely, uh, you know, out of your expectations. Uh, but in terms of valuations, we actually haven't seen much of a decline. And I think the biggest reason for that is in 2000 and, or not 2000, that's still so long ago, 2020, <laughs> 20 and 21, uh, the whole venture and startup ecosystem just went nuts with valuations. And so mm-hmm. we saw a huge issue with sellers just pricing high because they were, they're like, well, our competitor just raised that like a hundred times revenue so why am i not worth that and with acquisitions buyers are paying for current execution not potential or future execution if that makes sense so investors are making a bet that you're going to grow really big buyers are just paying for what you've accomplished today nothing else Um, sometimes you know obviously they'll factor in you know growth opportunities etc but generally your business is valued on its worth today and it's not comparable to you know, you can't just have a reason for valuation of, oh, well, my competitor just got acquired for $3 billion. So I must be worth, you know, that same. It, it just doesn't work like that. Mm-hmm. So um, surprisingly, no, we haven't seen too much um, change in terms of valuations. We have seen more buyers listing with realistic asking prices. And so that has led to more acquisitions. And I think just a better, healthier, Oh, you mean uh, sellers? Sellers listening, listing with more realistic. Oh, excuse me. Yes, yeah, yeah, sellers. Yeah. Um, they're oh, really but, starting to to oh. listen. Like, hey, your you know your business isn't worth fifty times revenue. I'm sorry, unless you're Slack and you're growing like crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so we haven't seen too much of a shift, but I think you know we're still early into you know what's going to happen in 2023. And the last report we did was from January to August. Um, so, so some things may have started to shift, but we haven't seen anything seismic to the point where I can say everything's falling off a cliff, like kind of like the venture world, if you will. And I think that's, I think people are rotating out of public equities, um, into, you know, cash flowing, you know, online businesses. That's, that's my, my best no, I think that's great. And I know we only have like two or three minutes, so we'll make this kind of quick. So now when you see new opportunities come onto the platform, do you, uh, as now having acquired a super premium domain yourself, like 
Does the domain play into any role when you look and say, oh, that's, that company's got a pretty sick domain or that's like, does that play uh, into it at all? I'm all the time. I've seen some really good domains come in where I'm like that, even just that domain right there is worth like, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars. Like this is a good business. Yeah, I can't say which ones, but some ones that like one word clean dot com. Um, so when I see those, those always kind of make me smile because, you know, I I've I've always kind of wanted a solid domain as well. If I'm just being honest. Yeah. Um, you know, because you see it and you're just like, damn, like that company is probably legit. And then you know that's that's not always true, but um. Yeah, we, we see that, um, you know, pretty frequently. That's awesome. All right. Well, you know what? That's a great sound bite. Oh, James, you look like you had something. Like, like we're good. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, and last thing I'll say, if you guys if you guys need, like, any sort of, like, proof of exactly what I paid or anything, just to kind of clear all this up, <laughs> shoot, me, shoot me an email. I'll, I'll send you whatever you need. <laughs> just so we're all I think good. you got an amazing deal, Andrew. Truly. And, and, and it's confirmed. Thank yeah. you. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, you did. Yeah, yeah, great deal on the domain. Yeah, great deal on the domain. Um, but you know, it's not a small price to pay. And uh, but you got a fantastic business, man. I got to tell you, you know, like we get an opportunity of of you know to review you know a lot of companies when we're helping them with you know in their journey. Um, and uh, I love what you guys are doing. I think when you think about the ability to grow and scale that business, I mean, I've seen a lot of other sort of competitors and other companies sort of kind of in and around that thing, you know, cause we deal with the, you know, the sale of domains, not necessarily the sale of businesses, but other sites that do kind of try to include more of the business of the sites and all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, I think you guys are sophisticated, the, you know, some of the handholding, I think there's real opportunity to grow that the consultative piece of that as well, as you guys help. And like you said, like, you'll, you know, take a few points to, you know, be, do more of the, uh, you know, sort of the, be more involved in the brokerage process. Um, and, uh, yeah. And, and no matter what, you've got the badass domain, man. So it's all good. It's all good stuff. So thanks, man. All right. All right, cool. Well, look, we appreciate having you here on the show. I know we're running it. We're out of time. Uh, I want to say thank you to, to my co-hosts as always, uh, for being here. Uh, and, and yes, to Andrew, to you, thank you so much for giving us your time and, and to the audience, like I say, in every show, thank you all for tuning in without you. There is no us. So, um, uh, one thing, Andrew, you mentioned a sister site, uh, where you guys post, uh, some like stories and, and you want to tell us what that is? Yeah. Uh, bootstrappers.com. Oh, bootstrappers.com. Oh, yeah, no, 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 I, I, I paid 50 K for that one. So we can, <laughs> we can avoid all drama right now. <laughs> is that a joke? Um, <laughs> bootstrappers.com. I love that too. Um, all right. I'll post that on the, on our site as well. When we post this show, which will go live in like two days. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll definitely let you know when it's going live so that you can amplify it as well. And, uh, but this was great, man. And I love it. I mean, it kind of continues to help us sort of a- amplify our message, which is, you know, for, for companies and brands, you know, the, you can't do much better than your exact match.com domain. And, uh, so love to see that happen in, in, in action. And, uh, and especially with a company like yours, looking forward to following your journey as you keep doing what you're doing. So thanks again for being here. Yeah. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Enjoy the yeah. chat. Yeah, no Thanks, doubt. Andrew. All right. Peace out, everybody. And we'll see you next time here on Domain Sherpa, where all roads lead to domains. Peace out. <laughs>